This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 139. I figured I'm a businessman, not a handyman, and I'm okay with that. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my good friend, Mr. Brandon Turner. Hey, Brandon. How you doing, Josh? I'm great, man. I'm great. Good. How about yourself? I'm not, I'm not, I'm doing pretty good. I'm moving in the next couple of weeks, which is exciting, which you just found out about apparently because I never yeah, told you. Yeah, yeah. Nice house. Yeah. Moving, same- on, moving on up to the east side. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah, I'm moving like two miles away, but now I'll have a view in a hot tub. Because yeah, man. It's a friend. Yeah. So I bought this house. So I can kind of explain. A friend of mine who was, uh, I mean, kind of sad. He went through a divorce a few years ago, back three three years ago, whatever. And uh, at the time, I talked to him about his house, obviously, because, you know, I'm a real estate guy and he wanted to have some questions. So we talked about it and, you know, it was way outside of my price range. And it was, you know, I just didn't even envision that I could ever live there. And it's not, I mean, we're talking $280,000. This isn't like million dollar land. But, you know, I, it was just, out of my price range. Anyway, so then I, I took a drive the other day with my wife and, well, I don't know, a month ago now. And I noticed it was listed with a real estate agent. And we had, I hadn't talked to him since that time a few years ago. So he's happy to get out of it. So I got a great deal on it. Um, and I'm going to do a little live and flip, live there for a couple of years, fix it up, hopefully make myself 100000 by flipping it. So that's there the goal. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's and beautiful. Thanks. It is pretty cool. And I'm doing an FHA loan. So I'm house hacking essentially like the live and flip version. I'm going to be in this entire thing for under 15 grand, including like most of the, doesn't need much repairs. It just needs updating. And yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be an awesome live and flip. So I'm kind of combining investment with my uh, own advice that I give in the book on investing in real estate with no and low money wow. down. Look, look at that. Look at that. Plug. that. Look yeah. at that. Nice. So, nice, cool. man. Now that's great. Cool. Well, congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. Cool. Yeah, well, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I want to tell you. Anyway. I care. Come on, come on. All right, man. Well, let let let's get into this thing um, today. Uh, we've got uh, we've got a pretty cool interview. It's, it's a it's a pretty interesting uh, newbie show. Uh, yeah. So for those of you who are listening, uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, I'd say inspiration for the new guy. Before we go there, big thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, you know, we we definitely appreciate. You guys, we hope you spread the word and tell everybody about the Bigger Pockets podcast. And uh, we also ask if you've got a minute or two to jump onto iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud and leave us a rating review. iTunes is obviously, well, it's not obviously, but it's probably the most important place to go and do it. I'm going to share a little review from one of our users really quickly. Uh, this is from DSARV23. And it's, I'm so glad I found this podcast. I'm 25 and married, work as a security guard three and a half days a week on night shift Wednesday through Saturday. I'll be honest, I only have a diploma under my belt as far as education, but I have a ton of drive to learn and plenty of work ethic to back it. Recently started to get to the learning curve of REI within the past month. This podcast has put a lot into perspective, especially not only how to build and start, how to maintain things and keep growing. This is definitely going to be my go-to place when I have questions and concerns in this new endeavor. Thank you, Bigger Pockets. I've listened to the first few episodes and can't wait to listen to the rest and catch up. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. And uh, if anybody else is ever listening to this and they're interested in sponsoring an episode of the Bigger Pockets podcast, email scott at biggerpockets.com. Scott is our head of advertising. Uh, talk to scott at biggerpockets.com and maybe you can be, you know, advertising on the show. So there you go. All right, awesome. uh, let's do our world famous quick tip. tip. All right, a quick tip today is you may have seen this already, and we may have even talked about it, but I wanted to bring it up again. We have this new thing called Dashboard Boxes. And if you go to your BiggerPockets account and go to your dashboard, click the little home icon in the upper left corner of the navigation bar, you go to your dashboard, and down below is a list of boxes of things that you can do that we recommend you do next. It might be check out this cool thing on the site, or can you give us some more information about this, or what are you interested in? Take a quick survey. There's, there's things that are designed to help you get more out of BP. So go check out your dashboard boxes. And every couple of weeks, there's new boxes appearing that are designed to help you and to help us present and bring better things to you. So it's all, it's all about personalizing your yep. experience, your own experience. And, and everybody's going to have different boxes based upon uh, the information they tell us. So yeah, definitely do that. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, let's get into this thing. Uh, today's uh, guest. Today's guest. Today's yes. guest is 
Fat Tony. And you'll you'll hear why we call him Fat Tony, why he calls himself Fat Tony later on. But uh, Fat Tony is a, a real estate investor, lives in the Los Angeles area, which as most of you guys know, prices can be ridiculous. But he's figuring out a way to make it work and actually invest in real estate at a distance. And so the thing that I love about this show is his his adherence to lifestyle. He doesn't want to be a handyman. He doesn't want to do his own work. He doesn't want to be trapped by his rental properties. And so he's figured out a way to make it work without being trapped. So I love yep. that. So that's great. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's bring him on. All right. Fat Tony. Welcome to the show, man. I, you know, let's just open up with that. Fat Tony. What on earth is that about? Uh, yeah, good question and get asked it a lot, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> um, yeah, so in ninth grade, I was about 15 years old and my friends thought it would be bl- funny to give me a mafia name. My real name is Adam Christopher Taylor. And they said, that's kind of just a dorky white kid name, which is exactly what I was. <laughs> uh, They're like, yeah, let's give you a, a tough mafia name. It'll be funny. And uh, yeah, now more than half my life later, it's stuck around. <laughs> that's awesome. So in your professional life, I mean, everything across the yeah. board, you are Fat Tony. That's it. Yeah. I worked at a, a big magazine for about five and a half years and in the masthead every month, it just said Fat Tony. And uh, that's my name. <laughs> I love it. That's I great. love it. But awesome. you are, for those people who are not watching this on YouTube, you know, sometimes we put out our episodes on YouTube. Uh, but if you're watching this on the actual, like, or listening on the podcast, you can't see, but Fat Tony is not actually an overweight guy. You're, you're pretty in shape. I saw a picture of you in Hawaii, I think, on your Instagram. I think it looked like Hawaii because you were doing the hang loose side. <laughs> I live in Southern California. So that's, oh, maybe that's that was where it was. <laughs> All right. Anyway, you look a little bit more in shape than a guy that named Fat Tony. I'd probably imagine. <laughs> so you do Slightly you added. do CrossFit, right? Is that is that is that your thing? I, I do. Yeah, I grew up riding BMX bikes my whole life, and then uh, about two and a half years ago now, I found this thing called CrossFit that a bunch of the pro riders had started doing, and uh, it, it was improving their their riding and everything. And uh, I got to the point where I was like, all right, cool, let me try this out. Like, if I can become better on my bike and be able to not get hurt or just last longer and endurance wise, then, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. So I started doing it. And within a couple months, I got to the point where I just loved it so much. I was like afraid to go ride my bike because if I crashed, I wouldn't be able to go train in the gym, you know? Yeah. And nice. uh, now I, I drank the Kool Aid, as they say, and I'm pretty hooked <laughs> and obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah, there is definitely an obsession with, with that CrossFit stuff, huh? Yeah, there, there really is. It's uh, I've heard people talk about it's kind of like the quickest way to reach the runner's high of just like those endorphins when you're working out and, you know, sweating hard and stuff. Um, but I think there's other things that are worse in this life to be addicted to if you're going to yeah. you know, have a vice like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Cool, man. So so let's get into this real estate thing. You you do some real estate uh, investing. And so how did you get into that? Why did you get into that? Um, yeah, so I guess, um, I mean... The very beginning of the story would be that I, you know, lived in small town Louisiana my whole life, had a very kind of, you know, middle class upbringing or whatever, Uh, moved to Southern California um, right after college to get a job working for a magazine, as I mentioned. And the the mindset shift that had to take place at that point was pretty big. Um, I got to California and I was on a small salary and I was, you know, I remember being at this car wash and they had those little like, you know, newspaper type booklets of houses nearby or whatever. I'm waiting for my car to get washed. I'm looking at this booklet and I'm just thinking like, how in the hell do people afford these houses in Southern California? Like where I'm from, (laughs) my house doesn't cost this much. I was just like, man, I I make like $33,000 a year. Like how am I ever going to do this? You know? Uh, And then a a good friend of mine who you actually recently interviewed, uh, his name's Terry Adams. He was on episode 134 of your show. Yep. Him and another buddy of ours recommended this book called Secret to the Millionaire Mind. 
And I was kind of going through a, a tough breakup at the time where I was, you know, just needed kind of a, a big shift in my life. And I read this book and it, it just really changed my perspective, changed my mindset and in turn changed my life. So I went from how the hell do you ever afford a house in California to, okay, how am I going to afford a house in California? Like there's, there's got to be a way. Other people are doing it. I just need to figure out the way. So yeah, that, that's kind of where it started was just shifting my mindset. Um, again, a, a big, big change for me. I, it's, I mean, the distinction there was how the hell, like it's never going to happen to right. how can I do it? How do I put the, how do I figure it out? Exactly. Right? So exactly. it was this, this total, like it's impossible to, now I just have to solve the problem. Is that right? Yep. That's it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. So how did that happen? How'd you solve it? What, what did you do? What were the kind of the steps you took and, and yep. tell us how it got going. So after reading Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which uh, if anybody doesn't know, it's a book by T. Hart. T. Harv Ecker, I recommend it to everybody I ever talked to. Uh, like I said, it did change my life. After I read that book, I started to kind of ramp up the amount of freelance work that I was doing while I was working full-time at the magazine. And I just got really into hardcore, like managing my money, saving my money, and just like balancing it all out. Um, so I knew that based off my salary and, and based off the fact that I you know, lived as a poor kid you know, the previous year in college or whatever, um, I didn't have a lot of overhead, and so all the money that I was making on the side outside of my full-time job, I would just put it in the savings, put it in the savings. Uh, so I saved for probably about two and a half years or so. And once I felt like I got to the point where I could you know, potentially start looking for a place and you know, may, maybe put a down payment on uh, using FHA loans or whatever if I needed to, I, you know, during that time I also read other books like you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and kind of kept you know, continuing my education and stuff. Um, and at that point, it was just like, okay, I've saved enough money over the last couple of years, and I've learned enough to feel like I'm ready to take this step. Um, then, you know, let's go ahead and do this. And my original thing was that I was going to try to get a duplex here in California so that I can live in one side and rent out the other, you know, obviously a very common practice. And after many, many months of looking, that just didn't seem realistic anymore. Like, I was looking at places that were a little bit out of my budget, and even those were still like, just in terrible shape. They needed too much work, but it was a good learning process. Nonetheless, you know, um, going to these places, seeing how much work they were going to need, realizing that I wasn't capable of doing that kind of work and, and wasn't willing to invest the time and resources into learning it. So then I started looking for just, you know, a house or a condo or something that I could live in myself. Um, ended up finding a great short sale, which this was in 2010. So the market was still really kind of rock bottom at this point. Um, the condo that I ended up getting was $180,000, three blocks from the beach in Long Beach. And it had previously sold in 2006 for like three fifty. dollars um, So the short sale process kind of taught me a lot as well and just sort of continued with my real estate education, if you will. Uh, and it took, I think, close to 11 months from the time I put in my initial offer until the time I got the keys. Wow. Um, and then I had a, a roommate living with me. It's a two-bedroom, two-bathroom place. And I had a roommate who was paying you know, more than half the mortgage. So that helped out a bit as well. So let me ask you about the condo a little bit. This is something sure. that a lot of our listeners are probably, they live in expensive areas like LA or you know yeah. San Francisco, whatever. And I get that question fairly often. Should I go buy a condo to go live in something? And now you did a lot of people, a lot of times investors will say, don't do it because of HOAs or whatever, but it sounds like you did it. And uh, you know, we can hear the rest of that story, but do you recommend that for people who are in those kind of markets, should they look into a condo? Um, maybe I was uh, a little bit naive at the time because I didn't know a lot about it. Um, I just knew that I had looked at so many places and so many of them were run down and in questionable areas because it is Long Beach after all. Um, and when I walked into this place, I was like, okay, I can see myself living here. It's close to the beach. It's in a decent enough area. Um, so I was pretty uneducated at the time about the HOA stuff. Because as I said, I'd really been looking for duplexes and I had really been 
kind of reading up on like the investment type of stuff. So I've had, you know, good success with it and I'm very happy with it. It's a small association, only six units, um, which also means that I have to be involved in the board and everything. So, you know, I was the treasurer for a couple of years and this year is my turn to be the president, which isn't super fun. Um, but it's, it's really not that big a deal to me. I don't have any issues with it at all. Yeah. 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 So, and for those people listening, $180,000 in the Los Angeles area is, is a really good deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really, really good, yeah, and especially when people, when people see this place, they're like, whoa, it's like, you know, been remodeled granite countertops, like nice cabinets, great floors and everything. Um, it's kind of a funny sidestepping story here, but uh, I actually have a, a gated garage, which is amazing in this area. You know, downtown parking can be a bitch in some cities, but then a couple days after I move in, uh, because of the short sale and the agent didn't know a lot, um, a couple of days after I moved in, a neighbor of mine was like, oh, you're so lucky you've got this storage room down there. And I was like, what storage room? And sure enough, I had to get a locksmith to come open this room. And it's like a, a 10 by 10, just, you know, fully locked storage room with shelves and room for bikes and everything. Oh, nice. Um, so it was a, a nice little surprise there. That's cool. Yeah. 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 That's great. Well, so I, I want to circle back a little bit. Sure. Uh, you had talked about this mentality of of money management, this mm-hmm. mentality that you had developed where you, know, you were going to be smart with your cash. And can you share a little bit more about that? You know, for, for those people who are listening, who are like, hey, I'm broke or I got a crappy job and I can't yeah. save anything. What do you do or what do you recommend people do to, um, to start doing that? My, my mother, when I went to college, set me up with an Excel spreadsheet. And she told me, you know, a lot of people at that time, this was, you know, 2001, when I first went to college and left the house. She was telling me about people balancing their checkbooks. You know, they write a check or they spend money and they like, you know, deduct a line on their checkbook. They recalculate their balance. And I remember seeing her doing this and she's like, well, now you have a computer. You're in college. Like, you can do this on the computer. So from the time I was 18, I started using an Excel spreadsheet. And that first year, I was like so anal about it because I thought that's what you had to do with your money. Otherwise, you were going to go broke or something. <laughs> um, so I kept track of every dime that I spent on this Excel spreadsheet throughout college or my first year at least. Um, so I, I've adopted that and really built on it. And over the last you know, seven or eight years that I've kind of been on this financial journey of mine, I've uh, really fine-tuned and tweaked a, a bunch of different Excel spreadsheets. So my first thing is to tell people to kind of uh, calculate their expenses, you know, figure out how much they're making each month, uh, how much their monthly expenses are, figure out what's left over, and figure out you know, a savings plan or an investing plan. And if that's you know, 5% in the beginning or 10% in the beginning, at this point, I'm, I'm up to pretty much 30% of every paycheck. I put 10% into one investment vehicle, 10% into another, and then 10% into a different savings thing. So um, figuring out a way to divide up your money. And uh, you know, all these people, you know, financial gurus, self-help books, the whole deal is like they'll all tell you the same type of thing. Like even if it's a couple of dollars at first, like once you start managing it, you understand you know, how things can grow and work and stuff. Um, kind of at the same token, um, I met a, a guy that became a big financial mentor to me, and he said the very first thing that I should do is track my net worth. So I started a new spreadsheet for that. I found online kind of like a base template to use. I uh, started tracking my net worth, and at the time, it was something like $11,000 or something. But I can look at it right now and see over the last you know eight years that it's grown up to you know a couple hundred percent multi- multiplied by that, you know? So just seeing where your money is, seeing where you spend your money and tracking your money is kind of the first step. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I, Agreed completely. I mean, the, yeah. you know, until you start seeing what you're doing, yeah. you know, you, you can be, you know, 
you can have a lot of money, you know, the rich, rich people burn through money too. You know, poor people, rich, it doesn't matter. But so, so until you're actually watching your pennies go by, um, it's, it's hard to really see it. And, you know, Brandon and I have talked about this on the show, like his, his Starbucks habit, um, you know, (laughs) setting a budget, like there's things that, that you love and that you just can't give up your vices. We all have them, you know, well, you know, you don't have to, but, but constrain yourself and, mm-hmm. and, and say, I'm going to limit myself to this. You know, having a budget, having a monthly budget is, uh, is, is really powerful. I'll have um, you know, I have not had Starbucks in about two months now. Oh my God. I know, two whole months of that. My wife still goes. That's often, why you've been such a miserable. That's why I've been. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. think that's actually a, a big reason why I was able to keep such low overhead. I never drank coffee because I didn't like the taste. I yeah, never yeah. drank alcohol. So I was able to save a lot of money that other people would spend kind of going out on a, on a daily or well, weekly basis. You so know? Here's, here's the trick. The trick is you don't get coffee, you get peppermint hot chocolate. 170 degree peppermint hot chocolate with whipped cream <laughs> It is the best Starbucks drink on planet Earth. But there's like a thousand calories in it. So that's why I stopped. I hired a personal trainer and he's like, are you stupid? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing <laughs> yeah, every my, day? I think it's water. It's free out of the tap and yep. it saves me money and it's oh, healthy. Yeah. So... And you are right about the booze thing. I mean, it, yeah. it's amazing how how much money you can save by by not drinking booze. And I married uh, my wife doesn't drink and, and never really drank. And so, you know, once that happened, she was a cheap date. I became a cheap date. Yeah. Going out to dinner, you know, dinner a nice dinner is fifty, sixty bucks. You bring alcohol on board. Now it's eighty, a hundred bucks. So yeah, it's a great thing. All right. So you also said something that I made a note about, which, which I thought was awesome. You're like, you know, I, I found a bunch of really rundown properties and I didn't want to mess with them. Um, because that's not my thing. And, yep. and I think it's so important for, for listeners and, and, you know, for people in general, obviously, uh, to know what you're good at and know what your skill set is, because, you know, if you suck at that stuff and you go and you start, you know, trying to fix up a property and you're just not good at it or you don't like it, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to, you're going to start hating real estate. You're going to start hating being in this business. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's actually kind of a point that I wanted to bring up. One of the things that I wanted to kind of get across to the listeners and stuff is that I really have set up my whole kind of quote unquote investing career right now based off of keeping a good balance in life and finding you know, what I still want to do with my, with my time. Because right now, I don't want to make real estate my full-time business or, or, or gig. Um, I think at some point in my life, I might want to ramp that up, and I could sort of see that in the future at some point, but I'm not there right now. Um, so right now, my focus is, you know, building these businesses that I'm doing, working for myself, um, staying active in, in the BMX or CrossFit community, these, these niches that I'm really passionate about. Um, I see real estate as a long-term play, and so I'm not, you know, right now taking that as my main focus. So yeah, when I started out, I knew that I didn't want to put in a bunch of work into a place. And it's funny, when I got this condo, there was a handful of things that needed to be done. It needed a new garbage disposal. It was burnt out. I was like, oh, I'm sure I could do that myself. Well, after a couple hours and realizing I didn't have the right tool, trying to go buy the right tool, didn't get the right <laughs> one again, I, I literally put an ad on Craigslist. I was like, I'll pay someone 20 bucks to come over here and just like remove this nut for the stupid faucet <laughs> because I don't have the right tool and I don't want to go back to home or whatever. 20 minutes later, two guys showed up and they switched. They're like, oh, you want us to finish putting in the garbage disposal also? I'm like, please, go ahead. And nice. at that point, uh, I came up with – or maybe, I, maybe somebody – I don't want to poach somebody's quote, but uh, I figured I'm a businessman, not a handyman. And I'm okay with that. And there's people that you know, get paid and make a living to do these things that I don't want to do. So I'm happy to pay them and help put food on their kids' plates and 
you know, so when it came time to paint my, my condo, when I moved in, you know, I found somebody, paid them, I think like 700 bucks to paint the whole thing. It took them a day. It would have taken me a couple weeks. And that day I left and went and rode my bike and I came home, my house was painted and I'm like, this is what I like. This is my style. <laughs> yeah. Nice, man. That's awesome. Well, That's true. Awesome. I think, I think a lot of but, people think they have to get into the handyman to be in real estate. They have to be good at construction or good at changing it. Mm-hmm. And I've said this before on the show before, but I'll, I'll say it again now. Like I think being handy hurt me in my investing business. Like, yeah, I mean, it helped me get properties because I could get these rundown properties, but it made it so that I was an integral part of my business and I could not escape that. Even like, you know, like I budgeted all my budgets at the beginning were based on me fixing things. So now I don't fix things anymore. So who I have to pay for that now, but right. I never budgeted that way in the beginning. So all my early properties now, they don't cash flow very well anymore because I'm not doing the work anymore. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think that it hurt me knowing that I, I thought I was a handyman and not a businessman. So, and there is not a single, you know, task that requires one trip to Home Depot. No, or no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, there's, you, you, you always forget something. You always have to go back six times. It's, right. it's yeah, it's not right. fun. Cool, man. All right. So, well, what came after the condo? So you, you got this Yeah, condo. so sticking with that that theme of kind of wanting to be a hands-off, um, I started looking out of state because basically at that point, I knew that anything in-state was really expensive or anything nearby me was really expensive. Um, and what really got me kind of in that uh, you know out-of-state investment type mode, again, my, my buddy Terry, who you spoke with on episode 134 of your show, um, he was talking to a mutual friend of ours at the time who was into construction and he lived in Saginaw, Michigan and uh, poor guy. I know um, <laughs> he, uh, he was buying up tons of these like rundown places after the market crashed for, you know, 5,000 bucks, a couple, couple thousand, even maybe a couple hundred dollars, I think. But you know, by the time I caught wind of it, he already had several places under his belt and was putting in the work himself. Um, so Terry ended up buying a place over there in cash and I just kind of saw through him. I was like, man, like you made this look too easy, you know? Um, so my next play was to try to use the same real estate agent as my friend did because I felt like that was a trusted person. And then to buy in the same area where our other friend lived because that was kind of my eyes and ears on the ground. Well, what ended up happening was me and the other guy in Michigan kind of had a falling out of some sort and we just sort of lost, lost touch. And then the agent that I was trying to work with was just really, really bad at communicating through emails. And... I, I prefer to have everything in email so I can see it in writing and, and not forget anything. Um, and it just is kind of threw up a red flag for me. And every time I asked questions, they didn't get answered. And I was like, okay, well, if my eyes and ears on the ground isn't there anymore and my trusted real estate agent doesn't seem trustworthy, now what am I going to do? Yeah. So I started calling around in Louisiana because that's where Terry lives. That's where my family lives. That's where I'm from. And things are cheaper there, but not as cheap in Michigan. Um, I started calling around and basically just cold called real estate agents in the area until I found someone on the phone that seemed to fit the bill. And, you know, I I told them I'm an out-of-state investor. I want to buy a property that looks like this. I need somebody that's dealt with out-of-state people before. And this lady ended up working out really well. And and every time I emailed her questions, they came back like point by point. I was like, okay, this is how I need somebody to communicate so that it's effective for me. And that's, this is going to work for me. Um, so the first place that I bought as an investment, was a three-bedroom, two-bath, single-family in Louisiana in the same town that Terry lives in, uh, which is a couple towns over from both where my parents live. Got it. Awesome. Awesome. And, and you know, I'm sorry about, you know, the, the drama, but I love, I love the story. And I, I like that you kind of stuck to your guns on, you know, you didn't feel comfortable 
in Michigan, you know, the the boots on the ground kind of failed you. And that was, that was something that I had experienced, you know, Mm -hmm. the the exact same thing. And and that really is one of the big reasons I tell people to beware of investing out of state is, you know, once, once you lose your eyes and ears, you've got nothing and you're blind. And, Mm -hmm. and so, um, just make sure that you can trust, um, the folks that you're working with, you know, anywhere, but especially when you're investing at a distance. And uh, yeah, again, I, I love that you ended up not proceeding, not moving forward in Michigan, not because I have this hate towards Detroit. <laughs> I, I don't know why anyone would think such a thing, but, <laughs> um, but because yeah, it's 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 a smart move. So so you pick up this three two. Um, what'd you pay? What does it rent? Uh, you know, t- tell us a little bit about the numbers. Uh, yep. So that one was like sixty three thousand um, dollars. I've got a I've got a sheet right here, so I can give you actuals. Uh, sixty-three thousand five hundred, and it rents for between seven to eight hundred. Like, I think it started out at seven hundred, then maybe went to seven twenty-five. Maybe it's up to seven fifty now. Um, so it's pretty good rent. And um, my buddy Terry also was working with a property manager at the time, so you know I was able to hire him on board. And I bought it without ever going down there to see the house or anything. So again, this was kind of in line with me wanting to stick to what I was enjoying doing in, in my personal life. But still been able to invest, you know, very much on the side. And of course, I did, you know, dedicate a lot of time and, and energy and focus into learning a lot of stuff before I made the plunge. Um, you know, for instance, when I was buying my condo, uh, my real estate agent at the time was kind of a mentor of mine. He was a new agent, and uh, he was really trying to help me like learn as as we started looking for places. And he turned me on to uh, this book, which I'm holding up for anybody looking. It's called "What Every Real Estate Investor Needs to Know About Cash Flow." And 36 key financial measures. Um, so I read that book and literally studied it like a textbook and took notes on it every morning before I went to work for a long period of time. Um, so again, I, I put in work ahead of time, but by the time I was ready to actually do the investing, it was very much a hands-off thing. So I bought it sight unseen. The property manager took care of everything. You know, they had a, a checklist from the um, you know property inspector that that told me what would need to be done and. I kind of went over that with the property manager and told him what you know I felt comfortable doing, and I said, you know, you're the one renting it out. Get it to where you need it to be to get a tenant in there for me. You know, and I let him do his thing because that's his business, and I stayed back in California shooting photos and riding my bike, and you know, he was taking care of the property. Wow. Um, so after that, I actually did go back to Michigan, <laughs> uh, oh. not, not physically, but um, so again, um, you know, I knew these places were still cheap out there. And at this point, I, again, was still on a very small salary. Um, and actually, at this point, I lost the salary because I quit my full-time job to be a freelance photographer. So now, if I tried to get a loan, things would look even worse for me on paper. Um, I had the mortgage of the place I lived in. I just had got the, uh, the financing done for the single family in Louisiana. So at this point, I was like, well, my next step is going to have to be cash, or so I thought. I'm sure there's other options, but for me, I felt like a cash deal would be the best at the time. So saved some more money, and then I was like, okay, let's look back in Michigan because I can afford a place in Michigan in cash at this point. Uh, I didn't go back to the same real estate agent. I didn't contact you know, the old friend of mine or anything. Uh, again, I picked up the phone and started cold calling. Um, I feel like maybe this is an exaggeration, but it might have been literally the first guy that picked up the phone at any of these <laughs> offices I tried to call. And I was just like, you know, same deal. I'm an out-of-state investor. This is what I'm looking for. I need somebody that you know, deals with real estate investors. I want somebody that also has rental properties of your own so that I know you understand where I'm coming from, blah, blah, blah. Had my whole spiel down. And right away, the guy was like, yeah, I've got 10 rentals of my own. You know, I was a, a full-time investor or whatever before I 
you know, became an agent. Um, I deal with out-of-state investors. I just sold one last month, yada, yada. So I was like, okay, cool. Show me what you got. He sent me an email with three properties listed, and I bought one of them. It was that easy. <laughs> um, wow. So again, I, I never went there to see it. I didn't go crazy on like the, the analysis stuff. It was like, okay, this is a three-unit. Total rent's like $1,300. It costs $19,000. Yeah, there's going to be you know things wrong with it because it's old and it's it's in Saginaw, and yeah, there's going to be other you know surprises that come up. But hey, for this price, let's let's go ahead and try it out. And uh, so yeah, we just went ahead and sent off a cash cheers check and had it a couple weeks later. Did it did it need a lot of work in that pro? I mean, like after you got it, did it need a lot of repairs? At nineteen thousand, is pretty cheap for three units. Um, well, it was already rented out. Um, all the all the units were filled when I got it. Uh, so I figured if there's people in there um, and they were paying, then you know. It was good enough for them. I can guarantee it's not a place that I would want to live in, um, but somebody wants to live there. And I, one of the ladies had been there for like 12 years or something. So yeah, the, you know, the property inspection report was pretty lengthy. Um, the biggest thing at the time was the roof um, you know, was going to need to be replaced or whatever. I knew that was going to be a big expense. Um, and that, that actually helped me negotiate the price down a little bit because I got a, a pretty high estimate and quote for the roof. And I was able to bring back that to the seller and say, you know, I need to take some money off because this is a much higher estimate than I originally planned for. Um, but after I got it, I didn't necessarily like dump in any, a bunch of more money. Like I said, it was already rented out. So as those tenants moved out and new ones came in, of course we had to do some cleanup and light repairs and stuff. So that just kind of came as we went along. Okay. Okay. And, and how was that? I mean, when did you buy that? That was a couple of years ago, I'm assuming. Uh, we pull up my Excel document here. Nice. There you go. I love it. it. And I'll tell you the date was, uh, October 9, 2013. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Calling all property owners and operators. 
Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your residents' living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability. Service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes, and fees are excluded from price for life offer and may be increased. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Okay, so in the in the few years since you bought that, how has it been for you? You know, like I mean, um, has it been good? A lot of repairs. It's been a little bit of a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> it, it hasn't been the best thing, but at the same time, you know, I look at this as a long term play. You know, I'm gonna have this thing for God knows how many years, and just like you put money in the stock market, you don't watch it every day and start you know stressing out about it. You you let it sit there and do its thing over time. Um, so it, it hasn't like, you know, filled up my bank account ex- exponentially by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's maybe brought in a little bit of money, maybe broke even. I'm pretty sure it hasn't really lost money at this point. And there's been a few like, you know, larger things that have come up. Um, one of them actually just, again, in keeping in the theme with kind of, you know, sticking to my guns and, and living my life how I want to and being a very hands-off investor, it needed a new air con- uh, no, not air conditioner, furnace, because it's in Michigan, right? So it needed a new furnace. And this was, I don't know, last April or something. And I was in Louisiana hanging out with my seven-year-old niece at the time. We were at the bowling alley. I get a call saying that the furnace needs to be replaced. It's going to be $2,000. So I'm at the bowling alley. My niece is throwing the ball. And I'm like, okay, cool. Here's a credit card number. I put the phone down, and then I went up to my turn to bowl. And it was like, <laughs> you know, I've got money in my investing account for this purpose. I'm not going to stress out about it because I'm not there to take care of it. The property manager is there. He knows what needs to be done. Here's the credit card. Let's pay for it and get back to hanging out with my niece and enjoying life. That's great. That's great. So. Yeah, you know, I, I think that itself speaks to the importance of of having reserves and and having the capacity to invest. A, a lot of people will get in, and they end up being the tired landlords. I think you know, in many many cases, they get into the game. You know, they're not prepared. They don't have uh, um, reserve account to to handle things. And so when something comes up, they flip out and you know they start going crazy and you know they ignore things because they don't want to spend the money on it. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to have those reserves, and and 
you know, you really have to, as a landlord, it is your responsibility to take care of things when they break. It is yeah. your responsibility. And, and so the fact that you're like, all right, you know what? I trust this person. And I love, I love that you trust that person. You know, I, I wish every property manager were, were trustworthy, but you know, the fact that you found somebody that that's worked for you is, is, uh, is great. Um, I, I wanted to talk about the buying site unseen really yeah. quickly. Is that something, you know, clearly you, you, you're not a risk averse person. Um, for, for other folks, do you recommend buying sight unseen? What, what challenges come with, with doing that? For me, it's actually a little bit easier. Um, because for me, if I see a place, then I try to imagine myself living there and I look at every little thing of like, oh, this would need to be fixed. This looks crappy. I wouldn't like this. And I would get more emotional about it if I saw it because it's hard for me to look at a place and feel like I wouldn't want to live here. You know what I mean? Um, so for me, not seeing it actually helped because the property manager says that he can get it rented. I listen to him. I say, go for it. Um, so for me, it's actually easier. And I, I think there's, you know, kind of different levels of that emotional quality to, to money and finance and stuff. You know, you, you hear people about it in the stock market. Like I said, they look at it every day and they stress out about it or whatever. So if you're the kind of person that is going to be stressed out because you're not seeing it, then maybe you need to see it. Um, and I think that kind of comes sort of with that secret to the millionaire mind or just like sort of working on yourself and, and conditioning your own mindset to get you in the right place to not be emotional about money, to not be emotional about your investments and stuff. So for me, uh, I think it, it actually works better. Do you, do you or have you visited that or your other investments or have you never seen them? So the one in Louisiana, um, it didn't get rented, or the first one in Louisiana, because I do have another one um, that I got after Michigan Place. Um, the first one in Louisiana, it didn't get rented right away. And just by chance, I ended up going to see my family before it got rented. So I did go in there uh, and see it before it got rented. And you know, I've gone back to Louisiana to see my family. And I'll drive by it every once in a while, um, partly as part of a tax write-off because I'm going to quote-unquote check in on my properties, you know? There you um, go. But uh, yeah, the one in Michigan, I've never been there and might not ever go there, you know? <laughs> there you go. The, the awesome. third one in Louisiana, I actually did see before I bought it, um, not because I you know, was dying to or, or wanted to or needed to, just because I happened to be there. And you know, the agent, who is also the property manager that I'm using now, he was like, yeah, let's go drive by and check it out. And you know, I know the tenant, she'll let us walk through there and blah, blah, blah. So I did go see that one, but not because I needed to. Cool, cool. So... How was the property values fare? Do you know? I mean, do you track what they're worth today? Like, for example, the triplex in Michigan. Do um, you, could you sell that one for more than you bought it for today? Do you think? That's a great question. I haven't looked at it too much. I feel like maybe I had asked my property manager about that at one point to update my Excel spreadsheet. Right now, I still say that it's worth the same, um, but I don't have a great answer for that one. Sure, that's okay. fine. That's fine. I just know that like a lot of times with those really low end properties, you know, sometimes they they may never go up in value. And that's a conversation we have on the site a lot is, you know, they yep. may, they may go up just with inflation, you mm-hmm. know, so it's just something to keep in mind if people are buying, you know, those ones might not go up as much, but you buy a $300,000 house in a great neighborhood outside For of sure. Detroit, that one might actually go up because it's a nicer yep. neighborhood. So just yeah, That's a great point because the condo that I live in now has been pretty much my best performer, but I'm, you know, <laughs> living in it because um, yeah. that one has gone up from about 180 to now it's probably about 270. Wow. Um, so that, that one's you know appreciated amazingly. But again, it's been two years since I got the one in Michigan, and I do look at it as a long-term play. And you know, provided we can keep tenants in there and keep the, the money rolling in, then I think it's going to be good and you know, keep, keep improving it um, slowly but surely over the years, and hopefully the long-term play works out. 
so what is the long-term play? What's, what's the plan? I mean, it sounds like you've got a few in Louisiana, some in Michigan. Are, are you, you know, going to stick to the, the small multis, you know, one to three, one to four units and, and just keep building? Is this, you know, do you eventually want to rely fully on this portfolio? Tell, tell us a little bit about your plans. That's a, that's a really good question, and uh, I, I wish I had a really, really solid answer for you because I am very big on, on writing down goals and you know, sticking to goals and stuff, um, but I haven't necessarily mapped out like, the long-term game plan. I know at this point, I do want to keep acquiring single families and small multis. Um, I think at some point when I'm ready for it, um, I might try to find a partner to you know, kind of build up the business more and start getting a lot more aggressive with this, but again, that's not going to come until I feel like I'm kind of tired of, you know, where my other career paths have brought me. Um, And eventually I do want, you know, the passive income from my real estate to allow me to not have to work. Um, But for right now in the next, you know, I'd say five years or so, it still looks like the the single families and the the small multis and stuff. Um, I'm running into problems now, though, because as I said, I'm self-employed and getting loans and financing and stuff has been a big, big challenge. So at this point, I'm working on, you know, different types of line of credit, which even that is challenging with my you know, job or lack of job situation. Um, so time to get creative and, and figure out the next step, which again, that is relatively difficult because I'm not, you know, making this a job right now because I'm kind of doing this on the side and stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. By gonna, the way, there's a, there's a really good book. You can pick up. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna send him my book. I'm going to send you a copy of my book. Slash no money. The, 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 uh, Bigger Pockets book on investing with little t- or well, I don't low, know. The, low why why no do you make the down? title so complicated? I like the title. <laughs> low and no money down. Biggerpockets.com slash no money. All right. What's, what's the trick copy? What? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send Fat Tony a to- copy. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, or he'll kill you. He's a mafia. He is a mafia guy. <laughs> All right, so we talked a little bit about that. We talked a little bit about what you're, uh, you're going to do in the future now. You said maybe look for a partner, that kind of thing. Uh, kind of the last question I want to get before we go to the fire round is, what mistakes do you feel like you've maybe made that you could you know, help other people not make the same ones? Or, or what would you, looking back, just reflecting on the last few years of your investing, what kind of advice would you give others based on that? Hmm. I don't really feel like I've, I've had any big mistakes or anything. That's good. Uh, you know, like I said, I don't think the Michigan property has been, you know, a grand slam home run, um, but I don't think it's necessarily bad. And it's only two years in. Uh, I guess with that, uh, maybe there are some things that I wasn't really aware of. Maybe I should have asked a few more questions about, you know, the expenses because uh, not growing up in a place where it snows and not living in a place where it snows, I didn't realize that during the winter months I would need a budget for snow removal and, mm-hmm. you know, how high the, the gas bill would get up during the winters and stuff. Um, or even that I would be paying the gas bill because it's on a single meter for the three units or whatever because of how the, the house was converted. Um, so there's a few of those type of things where you know maybe I should have asked a little bit more questions that I just wasn't aware that those questions existed. You know, um, but yeah, I, I don't really feel like I have big, big mistakes. I, and I just advice for people for me is all about you know working on yourself. If if you can condition your mind to be successful, then then you're good to go. Um, again, the, the secrets of the millionaire mind book, I sound like I'm promoting the dude. I have no, no affiliation, but it just changed my life so much that I feel like if I hadn't read that book, even the other like real estate books or the rich dad, poor dad books, they wouldn't have sunk in and got down, you know, they, they wouldn't have had such an impact on me if I hadn't re kind of formatted my mindset to begin with. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, I would have read these books and still left the book thinking, yeah, but I'm not like that. Or, or yeah, I, I can't do that because of this. And I'd be making excuses or whatever. And being able to really start out with a, a great solid mindset 
kind of set me up for success with everything else I did. Awesome. Yeah. Makes sense. I think mindset is so important and something I didn't, I did not focus on enough in the beginning. You know, I just went out there and yeah, functionally tried to make things work. Uh, but I had a lot of limiting beliefs, things that I, you know, didn't think I could do or that I don't know it just, the mindset is so important. And, and that's why I really stress people should read those, the yeah. mindset books just as much as the books on how to actually do things. And, and the funny thing about that is, you know, I, I personally used to be say, oh, it's a bunch of hullabaloo, right? You know, mindset, what the hell is mine? You know, who cares? Mm-hmm. It it really matters. It yeah. really, it, you know, and, and whether that's in your business life and your personal life, how you look, you know, how you look at the world uh, will determine your path and it'll determine your, your level of success in anything and everything that you do. So without a doubt, I was a major, major skeptic in the world of kind of creating mindsets. I thought it was some, you know, self-help. Yeah, who needs BS. a self-help book? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's great. It's great. So. so, so the other advice that I have um, kind of comes in the form of mentors, and maybe this is a good plug for, for the Bigger Pockets uh, website too. Because, as I said, when I was getting my condo, my real estate agent was a new agent, so he was kind of learning, and he was also interested in investing. He was a mutual f- friend of mine, and we had uh, we had actually played uh, what is that cash flow game or whatever? Um, yeah, yeah. cash flow one hundred and one or something. Yeah. We had played that together, so I knew that he was you know into that real estate um, investing type thing. So him kind of working with me while we were finding the place and sort of helping me learn and, you know, recommending books and um, just having him kind of by my side that whole time made me feel like I wasn't alone, um, which again, you know, people can go on your website and find that same type of thing through, through the forums there and stuff. Um, and then also a kind of a coworker acquaintance of mine who ended up becoming a very, very close friend. Um, as I was talking to her about, you know, sort of my newfound mindset and my new found desire to start on this financial journey. She was like, oh, you should uh, talk to my dad. He's a wealth advisor. And sure enough, uh, I got on the phone with him and he was, you know, told me that when he got started in, in this game, in the financial game, he had a mentor that helped him. And, you know, he said, I'll, I'll mentor you for free, but you just have to promise to pass along this knowledge to other people as you come up, you know? So yeah. he kind of told me the same thing. And uh, he's been a great resource to bounce ideas off of or to, uh, you know, more or less just be a sounding board for things. And like I said, make me feel like I'm not alone in this. And kind of just give me that extra push of confidence of like, yeah, you're on the right track. You're doing the right things, you know? Um, so finding people that can, you know, share that mindset and share that journey with you a little bit is really helpful. I think. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I fully, fully agree. I think it's, yes. And, and like you said, it's one of the, the value, the valuable things about bigger pockets is even if you don't have a, you know, you don't have to go pay for a paid mentor and uh, you know hire some coach to, to walk you through it. You can just find people that are doing this in real life. You know, I met people all over BP and then I've hung out with them in the real world that have helped me learn and grow as an investor. So yeah, very cool. All right. Well, why don't we transition this thing over to the fire round? It's time for the fire round. All right, fire rounds. Uh, these questions come straight out of the Bigger Pockets forums, which we were just talking about. Fancy that. Uh, question number one I'm investing far away from the place I live. Would you recommend, as a first investment in a new area, a single family home uh, in a just a normal neighborhood or look for a gated community? Well, all of my investments have have been very far from any gated community. (laughs) But I would say do the homework, run the numbers, and uh, and go with what makes sense financially. You know, Um, again, don't get too emotional about it. Um, Talk to the potential property manager that's going to be running the place. Ask him, do you feel comfortable managing this one that's not in a gated community? Are you going to be able to get tenants in there? Are they going to be good tenants that you know are going to stay and pay the bills? 
Uh, and if he feels comfortable, then it doesn't matter if, for you if it's gated or not because the money's still going to be coming in. You're still going to be providing a house to somebody that needs it. Right cool. On. Right cool. On. Awesome. All right. What do you think? Is it smarter to invest in a single or multifamily home for my first investment? Um, let's see. Again, I think it all depends on the numbers. Um, I don't necessarily think it matters that much aside from that. Um, but if you do go for the multifamily, keep in mind those questions, like I said, that I forgot to ask of, you know, are you going to have to pay some of the utilities? Do you have to pay for the yard maintenance? Because if it's a multifamily, you know, you can't, you know, tell them, oh, you guys each take every other week to cut the grass or snowplow. That yeah. doesn't happen. So yeah, you're going to have to pay for some of these expenses and stuff. So I don't think it matters. You just have to know ahead of time what questions to ask and what you're going to be looking for. Okay. Right on. Uh, when you're looking at a multi-unit, if you're looking to buy a multifamily property, what do you specifically look for? Mm, well, for me, I specifically look for a place that the property manager feels comfortable getting tenants into. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much it. Like I said, run the numbers. And if that guy says that he can get people to live in there to pay the bills, then I'm okay with it. Right on. Right. You are you are about as hands off as they come, man. And and the the next two questions that we have, I think we kind of have covered. Like, how do you balance your career with investing? And I know your career is primary, and you got the managers. So I'll answer that one. The other yeah. question we had was, uh, where do you primarily look uh, when looking for a new investment property? Online, paper, word of mouth, and my. Well, I'll let you answer that one. I did look online a, a bit, but I feel like every time that I've bought one, it's been through uh, an agent. Um, or the property manager himself, um, which yeah. I guess now in Louisiana, uh, my property manager is also an agent. Because right. uh, again, Terry Adams talked about this on, again, I'll just plug for you, it was episode 134 of your show. <laughs> um, he talked about how, you know, as the property manager, he deals with all these properties. So he, you know, knows when the owners are getting ready to, you know, dump off the properties and when they're getting tired of them or, you know, when they've exhausted their liquid and, and their reserves and don't have money to fix stuff. So they just need to get rid of the place. So kind of having that inside track is super helpful, I think. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. All right. Moving over to the world famous. Famous for. All right. These questions we're asking every single guest. So we'll throw them at you now. Number one, what is your favorite real estate book? Uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Can, can I list off a few that I have here? Sure. Though? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Uh, so Secrets of the Millionaire Mind and then uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad came after that. Also, not a book, but just the movie, The Secret, kind of more about that mindset type thing, like setting goals, visualizing stuff. Um, and the one that I mentioned, What Every Real Estate Investor Needs to Know About Cash Flow, it's a very, very long title. Um, that book, I honestly couldn't tell you a damn thing about it at this point. This is like <laughs> so many years later, like I read it six years ago. But like I said, I felt like I studied it like a textbook. And even though I might not remember anything super specific from it, I think just putting that time of time kind of time and energy and focus into something like you're going to get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah, when um, I I like I don't I remember I read that book yeah like 6 7 years ago and it was huge like hugely influential uh, that Frank Gallinelli which we had on the show back uh, a couple of years ago um, but you know it was just so instrumental. Now I don't remember every single piece of the book but I just know that it built that foundation that is so important like on understanding all those terms and what they mean. So yeah, that, I love that book. Um, yep, yep. cool. Frank's a good guy. Frank's a he good is. guy. All right. Favorite business book, non-real estate? Um, Four-Hour Workweek. Okay. okay. A business book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Mindset like said, business. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I worked full-time for a magazine. I did that for about five and a half years. And um, just to fill in the, a few of the gaps a little bit, I was a photographer and video producer for a BMX bike riding magazine. So my job was to travel all over the world, basically documenting these professional riders and professional athletes. And all the guys that I was shooting with, 
didn't have jobs and they just seemed like so carefree and just, you know, I was jealous of their lifestyle basically. Um, so kind of with the help of that book, helped me realize like how you can run business and do business without, you know, living in the corporate world and having this influence from these guys that I was hanging out with. Um, that was kind of like, okay, I can, I can do this. And it took several years for me to work, you know, and transition over to that. But, uh, now I've been, you know, on my own for, what, three and a half years or so of uh, freelance work, and it's been incredible. And I've been able to travel more, um, build relationships, find new hobbies, work less, and make more money. Very cool. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, what about hobbies? Uh, you know, sounds, sounds like your career is a hobby, which, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah. what, what else do you do? Yes, it used to be BMX riding. Um, I don't do that quite as much anymore because I'm so into CrossFit now. So CrossFit's a hobby. And then um, I just recently, as I said, you know, with this newfound freedom, I picked up snorkeling and surfing, um, which there's plenty of out here in Southern California. Um, so yes, surfing, snorkeling, CrossFit. Very cool. That sounds awesome, like a good awesome. life. Yeah. All right, final question. What do you believe sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Probably just to keep in theme, uh, my mindset and priorities and uh, maybe goals and maybe that's kind of in line with priorities, but I'm very, very big on, on making a game plan and setting action and following it to make you know, your goals happen. Um, so definitely those people that have the drive and the determination to set goals and, and follow them, I think that's going to set them apart. Awesome. Awesome. Great. All right, man. Fat Tony, where can people reach out and find you, man? I have social networks all over the web. Um, that's just Fat Tony BMX. And even though I, I'm not really riding and BMX isn't really my career anymore, um, the name's been around for a long time, so that's sticking. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and .com, Fat Tony BMX. Um, also, if I can uh, give a quick plug, I have my own podcast called The Expansion Project, which I talk a lot about mindset and just kind of find interesting and successful people and, and sort of deconstruct you know, what makes them tick. And I actually interviewed you, Joshua, on episode yep. 25 of my podcast. So that's called The Expansion Project. You can find that on iTunes or Stitcher or just go to theexpansionprojectpodcast.com. And, uh, yeah, if I can do one more quick little plug. I recently started a, uh, a new business kind of in the CrossFit world. It's a, an aggregate blog, um, very similar to the website that I ran for the BMX magazine, where we basically find the coolest videos and the best photos and you know, report on all the latest news in the industry. And that's called breakparallel.com. So Break. if there's any investors that are CrossFitters, go check that out. Break Parallel, you said? Breakparallel.com. Uh, it's I like know. when you go to the bottom of the squat. You got a personal trainer now. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know I'm going right? to go there. I'm going to go there. And uh, cool. yeah, yeah. And nice. uh, I, I actually have some friends that are BPers that are also CrossFitters. So I'm going to uh, send them that way too. Awesome. It's a cult. Thank you. I appreciate that. It is a cult. Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, listen. Yeah. And the podcast was great. We had, we had a good time. Uh, I had a good time doing Fat Tony Show. And uh, we chatted about real estate, and which is why he's, he's here uh, to talk about it today. All right, man. Well, listen. Thanks again for being part of the the podcast. We we definitely appreciate it, and lots of luck to you on uh, the ongoing uh, budding investing career. And uh, we'll look forward to keeping up. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, Fat. Take it easy, man. Later. I take care. All right, everybody. That was Fat Tony. Yes. Fat Tony. Who's actually ripped. I didn't want to embarrass him, he but man, is, he, is he is ripped. He is ripped. Yeah. And, and, Go you check know, out his you, Instagram and you'll see you what I'm talking a, about. If you need a new stereo, he can get you on off the back of a truck. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah. Anyway. well, thanks. I don't even think he's Italian. Is he Italian? I, Italian? Is that, is that how what do you, you say, say it? What do you say? Italian. Italian. Is that weird? 
Yeah, is that weird. my Northwest accent? <laughs> I don't know, but it's Italian. weird. Italian. Italian. Is that what you say? Italian. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't weird. Know. Well, anyway, it was it was, a, it was a fun show. It was a fun show. You know. So, what you been what have you been thinking about the stock market, man? The stock market. I'm yeah. glad I don't have anything in it, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, in the time since we recorded this, it's been recovering. Hopefully, because a lot of people lost a lot of money race recently. Yeah, it's been it's been kind of crazy, and, and but that's and how I it think, goes. Well, it's how it goes, and it's it's another reason for those people who aren't in real estate to consider it, because you know the housing market, you know, it, it can go up and down for sure, but you know, you have more control, uh, I think, in how your destiny plays out um, in real estate. W- would you agree? Not at all. I hate real estate investing, and uh, <laughs> no, oh, uh, yeah, you're I, fired. I, 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 what? I fully agree. I mean, like, so here's my problem with stocks. I've always been, and I mean, I used to be a stock trader, but when the price of a stock drops by twenty percent, thirty percent, fifty percent, because some board director did something bad, or there was a, a weird illegal case, or just the market turned because China because, is because China devalues there, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all you can do is sell. Or you can buy some more. And, and or you can hold on for Or you can hold on years. for 10 years, whatever. I like that on my rental properties, if the market drops, I can hustle harder to recover that. So when the market did drop, I've got properties that the value dropped, but my cash flow stayed the same because I just hustled harder. I made sure that it wasn't sitting vacant. I made sure that it was still renting good. And uh, yeah, I just, I like that assurance I got. So yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I think that's one of the important things about it. Now, granted, you're not guaranteed to, get the same rents. I mean, rents have been at crazy records sure. uh, uh, lately. And, uh, you, you know, you can't count on that continuing. Uh, but if, if it does turn, you know, there's ways to improve upon it, you know, fixing up the property, you know, making yours. Uh, you know, Scott and I were, were, were talking about this in, in the office and, you know, he's got a rental property. It's doing well. And, uh, you know, he, he was shopping for another property and saw another property in the area that was getting considerably more rent, considerably more rent. And, uh, he went and he looked and he's like, wow, they really fixed this thing up, you know, fantastically. And he's like, what am I doing? This is crazy. I, I need to fix my place up and capture, you know, that difference and get the rent difference. So, you know, there's, again, you, you have more control. Um, there's, there's, I, I'd say far less external factors that can affect, um, your rental property, uh, than, than can affect, you know, potentially stocks that, that you're buying. So agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. Cool. Well, why don't we get out of here? Okay. What do you think? I got, I'm going to go get some, uh, my second half of my breakfast since the I'm first go get half got Starbucks, interrupted. I think. Yeah. In, rub it in. Do you want to just drink your peppermint hot chocolate in I front might, of me? I might. Yeah. 173 degrees. Two months. Two months. This has been tough. Wow. So but now, I'm down. Now, now you have enough, you have enough money now to buy another <laughs> property as a result of not buying Starbucks. Well, the, for the irony is that I'm spending more on my personal trainer than I was on Starbucks, but that's okay. Um, I'm down. Like I started at two fifteen, way to two fifteen, and I'm down to two Oh one this morning. Really? Yeah. And so, so what are like, you doing? Uh, I am eating only whole foods, only like, like not whole foods, the store, but like Real foods, you know, like yeah. that. Yeah, nothing. Whole grains. Yeah, whole, whole, yeah, nothing prepackaged. Yeah, nothing prepackaged. Everything's cooked. Um, uh, I don't know. Other than that, I mean, it's fruits, vegetables, meat, yeah. uh, and a little bit of yep, you know bread you're and you're exercising. I'm assuming. And I'm exercising three times a week. And I'm trying to walk. Walk. I'm doing P90X three times a week, and I'm walking ten thousand steps at least five times a week. 
Nice. Yeah, I saw you climbing up on the on the chart of our of our. Yeah, list. yeah. You know my my Fitbit here today. I'm only at 2,900, but yesterday I hit like 14,000. But that's because I stood for the webinar. I find out I'm I get a lot of steps today. when I. Yeah, oh, I get it. Yeah. I get to start. I'm whooping walking. you. I'm whooping yeah. you. All right, All right. Let's get out of here. All right, I'm out of here. All right, I'm Josh Dorkin. Signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors, large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.